unabashed. The most unpredictable becomes a headline. The most volatile outrageous behavior. Unsubstantiated narratives. A battle of personalities. Welcome to Grant Tamasha, a co-production of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace and the Hindu Sun Times. I'm your host, Milan Vaishnav. This month, voters are going to the polls in five Indian states to select the members of their respective state assemblies. These polls are being seen as a test of Prime Minister Narendra Modi's popularity and the ability of the Modi-led BJP to grow or to further consolidate its popularity in the eastern and southern parts of the country. Election results will be announced on May 2nd, but before then, we will hear from a litany of exit and opinion polls that will try to predict the outcomes of these five contests. The exit polls conducted by Axis My India will be among the most eagerly anticipated. The firm has garnered a reputation for accurately predicting a spate of recent elections across India. My guest on the show today is Pradeep Gupta, the chairman and managing director of Axis My India and author of the brand new book, How India Votes and What It Means. I am pleased to welcome him to the show for the very first time. Pradeep, nice to talk to you. Thank you very much for having me here. So, Pradeep Ji, let me just start with a little bit of your background. You know, you yeah. mentioned in the opening chapter of the book, you had gone and attended your very first political rally in the year 1977. I think you were just around eight years old. Yes. You had gone to see the Janta Party candidate, Lakshmi Kandalwal, give a stump speech in a village in Madhya Pradesh. Is yeah. this what got you hooked onto politics? And kind of when did you realize that, you know, elections wouldn't be just a kind of hobby or a passion, but actually a, a sort of business proposition? Okay, so uh, first let me give you my background very little bit. My father was freedom fighter, poet, writer, and he was also advisor to the local politicians. So in my residence, my home, election, election, election. It's all the time elections, you know. Political leader used to come, chat, understand, make the strategy, policy for the... And you know in India... After every six months or one year, there is one election. Right? <laughs> so that's the background as far as the, and that's the reason why I had that luxury of, uh, you know, attending a political rally when I was eight years old, just for the sake of fun and just for the sake, so that I can go and have fun in a four-wheeler, you know, in those days, <laughs> and that too in a tempo, you know, the goods carrier, right. the goods carrier, and that was the only, you know, inclination towards the election at that point of time. And off late, I attended OPM, Owners President Management Program at Harvard Business School during 2013 to 2015. And I happened to meet Robert Kaplan, Professor Robert Kaplan. That time he was our professor for the leadership uh, subject. Now is of course the federal bank governor, and earlier he was Goldman Sachs vice chairman. So on one-on-one -on -one meeting, he suggested and recommended, Pradeep, why don't you start political advisory? You are so good to connect with the people. You have got fair amount of Indian demography per se, and most importantly, the understanding of their culture and system and processes. You know. It was always there in back of my mind, but only thing went to start. So that is when in 2013, I attended in May 2013, uh, this OPM program at Harvard. And during December, November, December 2013, 
these five states election happened, including MP Chhattisgarh and Rajasthan and Delhi assembly polls. And that is when we started the this polling or prediction business. Since 2013, there have been 46 exit polls that your firm has conducted. You write in the book that uh, the firm has called the election correctly in 44 out of 46, which is a very remarkable strike rate by any measure, especially <laughs> given the fact that we know that uh, election polling in India has, shall we say, a pretty mixed track record. So before kind of explaining to us how you manage to consistently get the story right, tell us a little bit about why conducting kind of election polls in India, why is it so hard? Okay, so there are two aspects to this. One is the Indian election dynamics you know, what it is. So first, let us understand that. So they, though there are 30 states, but to our knowledge and to our mind, these are 30 countries, I would say. Right. The kind of diversity this all independent state has, and there are about 22 languages are spoken, and more than languages, there is called dialect. Even in one state, three to four different different regions has got different different dialects and most importantly hundred socio-economic regions you know so this is one side of the demography a cultural outset the other side is that there are about eight national parties 50 recognized regional party and about 2000 small time parties 2000 to be precise and the kind of system we have, democratic system we have, each constituency elect one public representative. When it comes to assembly, it's MLA. And when it comes to parliament, it is MP member of parliament. So this is one side of the story. This is so diverse. And on an average, in every election, there are minimum five candidates and it can go as high as, you know, more than 100 candidates at times. Sure. But average is about 10 to 15 candidates with different parties and sometimes independent as well. So this is the Indian <laughs> political scene. This is how we elect our leader or the government. And this is how the democracy function in India. That's one side. Now coming to access, what we do. So we have three basic uh, elements of Access Mind India. First of all, it is the dedicated Access Mind India team. There are more than 1,000 plus field force and they are all our own persons, the team members. And we never sublet any business and we do face-to-face -face, uh, interviews, conducting face-to-face -face interviews with representative sampling. So this is how, this is our process and methodology. Now coming to the basic elements, which is three. First is the reach. We should be able to first reach to the right sampling which is representative. The second is connect. When I say connect, it is we should be able to connect in such a way that insight of the voters started flowing. You know, because you are every time you are first timer, you are unknown. You you people see us from a suspicious uh, you know vision. Who are you? Are you a salesperson? Are you a fraud? Are you sent by any political party to get the, you know, their viewpoint? 
so second is the connect so we have to connect in such a way so that they feel very comfortable it is like a water flowing you know the moment anybody is up the water will not flow the inside <laughs> won't flow so the connect is very important so we have a very rigorous training system how to connect you know and the third is the understanding what is understanding see any decision for that matter any decision for matter the key driver is the needs needs of individual you know is the driver would decide the decision making of any person so we need to understand what are their needs from the next government whom they are going to elect so this is the understanding so we try and understand on various issues bulk of them are their needs and any election for that matter evolve and revolve with three basic fundamentals of any election for that matter who are they one is the people who elect the government second is leaders whom is going to be elected and third is performance of incumbent government whom they have elected 5 years back so these are the key three key element our questionnaire is designed in such a way so that it covers all these three points as well as understanding the needs of people and that day at on that location so this is how we do and we have of course the coming to our process and systems first is the recruitment second is the selecting selecting the right person the third is rigorous training fourth is monitoring fifth is the kind of technology we have we can really track the interview real time basis whatever is going on there on the field more than 100 persons the quality orders sitting at back office they can track through they can hear through they can understand through what's going on so if any deficiency we immediately report and get it correct through the field team and the kind of capacity we have we during general election 2019 we conducted literally 30000 face to face interview every day and we end up with the total number of sample size in general election 2019 842000 so that's the sample wow. size that's the sample size. for us it is not simply the election or understanding and predicting our vision is to connect all 25 crore indian household and try and resolve their problem this is our vision and our mission is to actively contribute every day to improve lives of 1.3 crore a uh, 1.3 sorry 1.3 billion indian house uh, indians so that's our uh, kind of a mission i want to ask you about some of the themes you bring out in the book um and one of the first ones you talk about is that you know there is a belief analysts talk about this all the time that indian voters are increasingly giving state and national governments very solid single party majority mandates rather than giving messy fragmented outcomes in which you know no single party is the clear winner if this is 
indeed a new trend. What is it about the kind of voter psychology that explains why this is happening? So basically, first and foremost is every voter wants to elect a strong government. That's for given and that is there for the ages, you know. But what happened is the when it comes to election, so there are state election and there is a national election. Even, I just give one simple analogy, when you have to elect or select a family head or a company head at times, you need to make consensus, you know, among the people, among the, you know, uh, stakeholders. So you talk. What happened in before 90, because you uh, must be knowing, even one cannot or one cannot afford to call the neighboring city person or relative or friend, it cost a huge amount. And in fact, not more than 5% people had that time had the even the telephone, the landline. So it was very difficult to communicate and make the consensus. But because of this technology, you know, particularly internet and WhatsApp, within no cost, you can communicate not only in the, to the next uh, neighboring city, but anywhere in the state, anywhere in the country, and also abroad. With, without any cost implications. So it's all about informed decision making. They are able to make the consensus. They know what are the issues. Now they know who is going to solve this problem and who should be elected. After all, their livelihood, 100 vote costs 80% people in India, their livelihood is depend on government. Very categorically, I'm saying this, the reason is very simple. We need to understand the Indian construct. Demography, 70% people lives in rural India. When I say rural India, there are about 600,000 villages, 600,000 plus to be precise. And when I say 30% urban, it's not five, eight metros. It's not 100 top city. There are 6,000 urban cities and towns. So 70 plus 30. So when I say 80% are rural and poor in India, out of total 25 crore, 250 million households, only 1.5 crore, meaning 115 million, 15 million people actually pay the income tax, which is in the excess of 500,000 rupees annual income. So when I say poor rural and their livelihood is largely depend on government social welfare schemes and their measures. So very carefully they elect and select the leader. So these because of technology, this making the consensus or making the choices among the people at large become much easier and that is the reason why you see the landslide victory in one party's favor. So so the other thing that you talk about, and this is something that people like Yogendra Yadav and others have written about, you know, 20, 30 years ago, is that poor Indians are more likely to vote than many of their richer and more urban counterparts, poor rural Indians. And some people who have studied this have said, you know, it's not because poor people depend on government necessarily for welfare schemes. It's because on election day, that is the one time 
when they can exercise their right the same way as everybody else. So if you're a tribal, you're a Dalit, you're a man, you're a woman, no money, a lot of money, it's a leveling mechanism. Everyone is treated the same on election day. But you emphasize instead, not that fact, but more the kind of welfare and government dependency. Uh, it's what you care for. It's all depend what you care for, how much pain are you are ready to wear. If you see the Indian urban and that two metro system, I'll give you the example. I'm putting it forward with the facts. You know, southern South Bombay constituency, Kolaba, I don't know, in Mumbai, Bombay, they vote only 40%. The voter turnout is 40%. And in any rural consistency, any rural consistency will definitely have the voter, voter turnouts in the excess of 70%. What does it mean? And you know in South Bombay, generally the filthy rich, because they doesn't care. They don't want to stand in a queue. They don't want to stand under the uh, sheer heat, 45 degree temperature. Because, I mean, why they don't care? Because they are not likely to benefit it in any way. That's what they think. Whereas actually the road, electricity and water is common for all from rich to poor. These are the three things. What are the other basic elements for government is responsible? The basic amenities, electricity, education, road, electricity, water, this is common. Health, which is hospitals, medical facilities. Education, which is government schools, and law and order, and most importantly, the formal related facilities. These are the very important issues for rural and poor. And that is the reason why they care. And they don't, they are not like a busy person in any urban uh, this thing. Though in urban also there is a public holiday declared on election day, but they go on for sure. outing. <laughs> So, so, you know, I want to ask you a little bit about what makes or breaks a campaign. And I want to read out a quote from your book, which you say, quote, political ideology, communalism, the lack of a strong opposition contender, or the charisma of a single leader rarely factor for the average Indian voter. In any political party's campaign, the voter has just one expectation. What's in it for me? End quote. So, when you say that delivery matters, I'm not sure anyone would disagree with that. I think we all understand, of course, delivery matters. But do we understand, Pradeep, what kind of delivery matters? Delivery of what exactly? Yes, I'll, I'm coming to that. So as I first is the basic amenities, which I just now narrated. Over and above, what kind of different different delivery mechanism or uh, elements government exercise through various different ministries and departments to start with financial help for housing you know we call it pm avas yojana under which 2.5 lakhs rupees given for the uh, housing House construction house construction then gas free gas connection right. in earlier days it used to cost minimum 4005 rupees just for the connection then gas cylinder is you know which is the variable cost the refilling but that is given 
then government has opened jandhan accounts right now the direct money transfer for various these kind of schemes which is like kisan samman nidhi right. they pay 6000 rupees every year to all the farmers right this is the sort of the the flagship uh, program of the prime ministers and the bjp's to provide cash transfers to the country's farmers yes yes so there are like many things like a scholarship for different different section of societies students different for schedule caste different for schedule tribes you know poor people so there are so many kind of what you call it freebies in a way and they actually deliver so this all includes as a delivery then subsidy on fertilizers then the subsidy on water charges and electricity charges for irrigation you know so there are so many things so many things you keeps on counting there are ministries and that's the you but, know but, but, then your medicine Pradeep, uh, insurance for that matter medical insurance let me just ask you in, sorry to interrupt on this you know because of course these schemes have been there from the beginning and every national regional party has rolled them out what seems to be different and new now is that the prime minister has managed to make sure that every recipient of these schemes associates him the individual of the prime minister with the delivery of those schemes and so therefore when it comes time to vote particularly in national elections the credit doesn't go to the state government the credit doesn't go to the local politician the credit goes directly to the prime minister himself so would you say that this ha- that he has solved in a sense one of the biggest puzzles of indian politics which is how do you actually claim credit for things that you do okay so there are two aspect to this now this as i mentioned the these days the voters is informed they know what is the election for whether it's a local body election so what to expect from this leader whom they are going to elect when it's a local body election the what kind of issues is there drainage system cleanliness traffic uh, gardens these are the issues and because these are the things that could be handled by the municipal corporation municipal or the local corporation. body right. when it is assembly election for a state what are the issues road electricity water education health law and order this is all state level uh, you know issues and they expect all these three things this and is the kind comes, of bijli sadak pani sort of vibe yeah yeah bijli sadak pani that's what the road electricity water and when it comes to national election what is the biggest issue first is the inflation second is the unemployment if it is there then there are various policies and why modi is there are two things who is leader first of all we need to understand who is leader so there are different ways of looking at leader for my knowledge is the very simple and basic thing is the public representative who is public representative and what is his role to represent people's problems and issues in the right forum and that is parliament for that matter and get it resolved and what modi has done modi continuously connect with the people speak with the, there is a program called man ki baat what is that man ki baat is a radio program every last uh, last sunday of every month he 
talk to people and talk about their problems. He's talking, this last Sunday, he was talking about, you know, how to appear in exams. You should not carry <laughs> any, you know, pressure. So see the connect. So every time he connect with the people, and that's the role of any leader. What are you representing for? It's not that you made the minister and you function. No, that's the, that's the different function altogether. First, you are my representative. If you don't understand me, if you don't care for me, you're not my leader. This is so, what Modi has changed. But, so I want to ask you about the Congress, because you said something very interesting in your book, which is when you go back to the 2019 election, you say that the Congress actually had a pretty good start to their campaign. They rolled out this Nyai scheme, which was a nationwide, very ambitious cash transfer scheme, and that that actually had the potential to connect with many voters. But eventually, the Congress campaign went in a different direction. It kind of went off the rails. So tell us about what was the opportunity the Congress had, but it missed ultimately in that election. Okay. So just to take you one second, uh, 10 seconds behind, in 2004, when Congress became victorious and Manmohan Singh Ji was prime minister at that time, Congress bring one scheme called Manarega, you know. Right. That is the minimum guaranteed employment for the poor in rural areas. Right. So 100 days of paid labor <laughs> 100 days, across 100 the days guaranteed in a right. year. 100 days guaranteed in a year. And that was the game changer. And in fact, uh, that was the major cause for the repeat victory in 2009 instead of uh, great uh, slowdown globally. And uh, Congress not only win that election, but win with bigger margins. So that's the thing. And in the similar line, they announce Nyai, you know, in their manifesto, or they try to, which is Nyai, what is Nyai? Nyuntam I for unemployment youths, which is 72,000 in a year. Very good slogan they given. Apki bar bahattar hajar. You know, generally you see, you must have been uh, familiar about these kind of Apki bar Modi Sarkar, right. Apki bar Nitish Sarkar, Apki bar Atal Sarkar. So they came out with Apki bar Bahattar Hajar, meaning this right. time you will get 72,000 72, in your bank account. Right. In, in bank account if you are unemployed. Yeah. So this is what the scheme which was very promising. But within i would say one week to 10 days time this slogan got changed and i could see in a newspaper and everywhere in advertising and promotion they said ab milega nyay yeah you know these days the big uh, i would not uh, name the 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 youth or anybody short form if i am pradeep gupta they are very happy <laughs> to call me pg pg you know <laughs> And for everything, they try to code it short. So yeah. they did for this also, Nyai. What is yeah. the meaning of Nyai in Hindi? You know, justice. Yeah. Yeah. And over and above, they were alleging the incumbent government, Modi government, for the Rafael deal. You know, big corruption the scam involving corruption the defense and so and so on forth. So how how it is perceived that people at large? Oh, there is some kind of injustice. Now you will get justice. Right. And when we go and do the survey and we ask, do you aware about the Nyai? Less than 10% people were aware yeah. about it. Right. 
So this is the blunder they made in their uh, communication strategy. So I, I want to ask you about another part of Modi's attraction. If you open up the newspaper and you look at the op-ed pages, the conversations about Indian politics are full of talk about Hindutva, polarization, Citizenship Amendment Act, National Register of Citizens. You argue in the book that polarization can never be the main reason for a victory. So you basically say, look, Modiji's electoral success can be chalked up to uh, many things, but not the popular support of his ideological agenda. Now, clearly polarization, communal issues, they don't seem to be turning off a lot of voters. So how do we understand the role of, of ideology, particularly the BJP's ideology, in, in how Indian politics functions today? Uh, okay, so there are different sections of society, you know, political party needs to address them, right? And wherever the majority is there, they try and focus on that, right? This is the, when you say ideology, but yes, we all know that BJP since very beginning, the, the think tank of BJP is, you know, more inclined towards Hindu or Hindu-based uh, uh, kind of uh, ideology. So that is there. But when it comes to political campaign, all these, you know, this is the leadership side. My book is all about how people vote. You know, there are two different things. Right. As a leader, I need to address all sections of societies. So I do, and sometimes I use all these polarization or communalization line or ideology and whatever you may call it. But this is only the packaging and marketing. Like why I'm saying packaging and marketing, see, these are all emotional issues. And you know, in any advertising and brand advertising, the top or very famous celebrity come and do the advertising on the emotional line, but product is different. Product is different. This is just to communicate and reach to the wider section of the society. This is... That, that's the packaging and they try and do it. Whether it is benefiting or not benefiting, they know pretty well. And also what is more important here, one underlining part, see, when it comes to communication, then media plays the vital role. And what media pick and select is what suits them from a business point of view, from a target audience point of view. And you know, if any political party or any, you know, leader has given 50-minute speech, I'm sure they must have talked five minutes on I, this, uh, what do you call uh, polarization or, you, kind of yeah, polarization. you know, on these lines. But they've also talked 45 minutes on other delivery issues. And that is the reason why all these ministries are made. And that is their job, their function, what they will do five years. Otherwise, they should have started one ministry for this. In fact, the, it is other way around. It is the, there is a ministry for uh, minorities, you know, separate ministry to add, uh, you know, address their grievance. So it's just the, I would say, it's the packaging. And media picks and select but, but, and they start talking about this. But voters, they are 
unaffected. And the best example I'll give you 2020 assembly election, you know, Delhi assembly election, where 70, you know, seats, BJP could win only eight seats, and all one month they were sign back, sign back, sign back. Media, 90% time you open the TV and you hear the sign back. And when we go and ask people, do you know sign back? Well, we don't know. We heard sign back, but what is it is nobody knows. And BJP was a big loser there. They could pick but, 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 Pradeep, there seems to be two different things. Yeah. So what you seem to be saying is that there may be a small section of the electorate that does care about these things. I think you estimate around 10%, right? right? right. Then the vast majority of the electorate, the voters, are caring about what's in it for them, right? We came right. back to that simple uh, bread and butter, what we call kitchen table issues, right? right? Right. However, the fact that polarization is being talked about five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, means that they're at least voters are at least willing to ignore it or look the other way. So in a sense, though, isn't that the voter accepting that agenda, saying, okay, he wants to get rid of all uh, uh, infiltrators who are coming from Bangladesh. He wants to uh, do this or the other thing to Muslims. We are not voting for that, but we're also not voting against it. Isn't that an important distinction? Uh, I would say uh, it's, it's more than this. When we talk about Hinduism or, you know, Muslims ideology, this is also a matter of the fact that large numbers are Hindu. I mean, there are about 15% Muslim population in the country. So 85% is Hindu. So in a way, leaders is trying to connect with them, and particularly when you are uh, national in that sense, uh, they call it, you know, even in cricket match, India-Pakistan match, is enemy, is like, you know, uh, Greece and uh, Germany, and, uh, you know, like this Mexico and uh, United States in that sense. So they try to position themselves okay, we are more inclined towards this, vis-a-vis the Congress ideology is like center, they used to say, we are there for all, you know. And though they were saying this, but actually they say, you know, uh, the uh, they run the appeasement politics for the Muslims over a period of time. So it's, it's just that the ideology or one uh, conviction or whatever you call it, try to get that sense of belonging. Again, the emotional touch. Uh, So I want to sort of ask you about another part, some would say a controversial policy that that the Modi government has employed, and that's demonetization. Uh, Now, you can poll many economists in India globally, and they will say, on the merits, this was a policy failure. However, political scientists will tell you that this benefited Modi hugely in political terms, right? Now, the question is why? And one of the things you point out is that many employers or people who had black money and needed to get rid of it, they channeled those funds through the bank accounts of their employees, right? Their daily laborers, the people who clean their homes, who cooked for them, and so on and so forth. This led to a number of millions, in fact, of poor or average Indians who, who are seeing their bank accounts 
rise dramatically, even if temporarily. So how exactly is it that demonetization went from a kind of economic loser to being a political winner? Uh, okay, so there are two aspects. One is, the, of course, the economy part of it, and second is the election part of it, right? So I am definitely has no understanding whatsoever as far as economy goes. Let me focus on the election only, right? Then again, coming when Prime Minister Modi declared the prime ministerial candidate in September 2013, what was the challenge before him? You know, BJP was the kind of perception across the country, and which is true also. BJP is the party of urban, rich, and upper caste and traders. This is the impression, and which is, I would say, 99% true, right? And they had never secured more than 182 seats at their best, you know, and since their inception in 1980, meaning after 34 years of struggle, they could never find the majority government on their own, right? They were struggling. And the other side, Congress has ruled for 60 years, and there were Milijuli Sarkar, you know, for five, six years, two times. One time 77 to 80, two and a half years, and second time, 89 to 91, another two, two and a half years. So five, six years, you know. So this was the reality. So he being a very smart leader, he realized this. And how he started his journey of prime minister candidate, candidate and campaign, suddenly he wanted to change this perception of a rich, urban, and upper caste, what he said, I'm Chaiwala. My mother used to go to different households, you know, for cleaning purpose. Suddenly he started positioning himself on that poor, poor kind of a line, right? Then he said, I'm OBC, which is backward class, outer backward, other backward class. So this thing to happen. Then he simply said, you gave 60 years to Congress, you give me 60 months, which is five years. And he projected the Gujarat development model. I will try and, you know, do the country like that. Replicate that for the country, yeah. So he came victorious and he came not only victorious, but BJP could secure major uh, 282 seats and form the government on their own first time ever, you know, and that too so many years. Right. But what happened is that this is all saying. Now he has to do with some kind of a doing. Saying is one thing and doing is another thing, right? And then Maharashtra election happened. BJP could, you know, do well and through Sivu uh, Alliance, then Haryana very, you know, slender margin, they form the government. And then the 2015, after eight months or so, Obama visited uh, India on Republic Day, and he attended that Republic Day, you know, parade function. Yeah, function. And Modi ji was wearing one suit, <laughs> right. you know, which had 
hologram throughout of you know his yeah. name. His the, name was kind of stitched, stitched in stripes. Yeah, which was gifted by one of the businessmen in Surat, right? And then election happened in February, first week, and Modi ji and BJP lost very, very badly. This was in After, Delhi. This is an assembly election of Delhi, 2015. Out of 70 seats, BJP could secure three seats. Can you imagine yeah. three seats? And Arvind Kejriwal won. 67 seats am aadmi party right what it means just before 8 month you all this daily uh, parliamentary all seven constituency you swept like anything the margin were in the excess of 2 lakhs plus votes in all seven yeah. seats yeah. and now you could secure only 3 seats out of 70 what's going on and after 6 7 month there was a bihar election and that also they lost very badly bjp in 2015 then there was something going on then they must have thought i don't know i never met anybody in bjp on that front the think side think tank side but uh, you know and then we saw in november the notbandi demonetization was declared and after 3 months there was a biggest state election was due which is uttar pradesh in february and november 8 this note bandi was declared and we were doing surveys and when we go to people and ask what do you think about note bandi is it good or bad 57% people say it is very good good 30% say it is not good and 10% had no opinion they said doesn't matter but what is more important here the kind of delight i could see on their face and as you mentioned you know it's the money coming to their account and when i just forget to mention in campaign of 2014 modi ji also said every indian will get 15 lakhs rupees on their account through we will get the all uh, black money back you know black money that had been stashed in swiss yeah. bank accounts or whatever everywhere everywhere so and this demo was declared in that line only only difference was two types of black money one is you know lying in uh, out of the country and one is within the country so this what is note bandi is to ban the 500 rupees and 1000 rupees note means what the that what you call is parallel economy you know that indian system 70% of business yeah. functions through cash and you know it through what you call it parallel economy it was lying in people's we call it sanduk you know sanduk no cupboard mm-hmm. cupboard yeah yeah so people like become very this uh, uncomfortable those who has got this kind of loads of money what choices they had before them first to distribute to the whoever they are in the ecosystem they say bhai aap aaj rakh lo you return to me when i last right so you take the money just so i can get it through the bank and then you give yeah. it back to me later so i don't have to pay the income tax whatever right. money right. i deposit right. in the bank i have to pay one third of as income tax right right, right. right. and right. secondly whoever there was salary was due they said you take advance salary for one year and two years. right so suddenly people started thinking oh first modi ji 
ओपन दी बैंक अकाउंट एंड नाउ मनी स्टार्टेड फ्लोइंग ये तो चमत्कार हो गया यू गेटिंग माई पॉइंट चमत्कार सडनली मोदी जी बिकम मसीहा पुअर यू नो मसीहा पुअर राइट 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 एंड मोस्ट इंपॉर्टेंटली नाउ आई एम कनेक्टिंग दैट वॉट वॉज द इमेज पार्टी ऑफ ट्रेडर्स एंड दीज ट्रेडर्स ओनली हैड दिस लोड्स ऑफ कैश ब्लैक मनी इन कैश and he took them on the task so the moment that emotional connect happen oh this is the man who can take the rich on task you know so then uh, modi become poor's man the complete uh, you know shift of the perception of bjp and particularly modi this is the man well i think you you can't underestimate pradeep ji the the amount of delight that people can get in any country in the world when they feel like people above them are getting squeezed a little bit right, that's right, that's right. Uh, when when they, when when they believe the fat cats and the cronies and the black money hoarders whether it's true or not true is another story but if they believe that i'm sacrificing but the people above me are the ones who are really hurting that gives them some kind of satisfaction right no all kind of satisfaction if i don't know if you have stayed in uh, india or no the these 70% rural what i am referring to there is always one person called jamidar right sarkar as you were right. referring and whole ecosystem belongs to them and you know i am not able to show you and these people you know stand like this you know putting head down and they cannot do like this the note bandi make them do this right i mean there is a there was a quote in the newspaper which said you know interviewed a farmer in Uttar Pradesh who said um uh, demonetization notbandi may have made me blind in one eye but for the rich it's made them blind in both eyes right which is sort of what you're saying i want to ask you about politics going forward right uh you argue in the book uh, and we've talked a lot about modi that as you look at it uh, there is not a single political leader who at the present moment can go head to head with modi on a national scale and that of course is a huge source of strength for him but you spend a lot of time in the field talking to voters surveying voters are there leaders either at the state level or other leaders who may be minor players today who might be able to give modi a run for his money in 2024 see will have to understand is the same scenario when indira gandhi ji was there opposition was divided and she was enjoying this what you call tina effect there is no alternate right similarly when you say you have to have leader who can challenge what is more important here is though there are n number of leader but what is important is they are leader of a particular political party and at time that is the regional party right so unless all the position party or bulk of them get united and most importantly they make the consensus for one leader which is acceptable to all the political party which is regional party most of them then only you can think to challenge modi right unless you do this i think this question will remain unanswered all right last question for you yeah. can rahul gandhi be that person yes or no uh at this point i at this point of time no because 
he doesn't have the acceptability across regional chhatra which is very big in that sense be it mamta benerji be it navin patnaik be it uh, nitish kumar they are, they are very tall leaders so unless unless you have the acceptability across the board how can you be the leader first of all you cannot make the consensus among these 20 parties how can you expect people to accept you as a your prime minister candidate a leader this is the problem my guest on the show this week is pradeep gupta he's the chairman and managing director of access my india one of india's leading polling firms and he is the author of the brand new book published by juggernaut how india votes and what it means Pradeep, you have a big task ahead of you. Five state elections. The results will come out on May second. We eagerly look forward to your exit polls. Thank you so much for taking the time, and best of luck. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Milan. Grant Thamasha is a co-production of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace and the Hindustan Times. This podcast is an HD Smartcast original and is available on hdsmartcast.com, India's fastest-growing podcasting-producing platform. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. It helps others find the show more easily. For more information about the show and to find the writing we referenced on this week's episode, visit our website, GrantThamasha.com. Production assistance comes from Jonathan Kay, Tim Martin is our audio engineer, and Cliff Jayapranada is our executive producer. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.